0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Yeah, I'm Mark. Ah, my name's Paul,
1: and uh, today we actually
0: have uh, officially gotten ourselves a title.
1: Yeah, we finally have ourselves a name. We have finally decided on NoScope.
0: Yes, as people always like to say, 360 no scope or Yeah, it's basically that. And mm. the scope of today is no scope.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. And we've been banging around a little while. We've been trying to figure out what both of us like to talk about, Paul and I. And and the past three episodes have uh, given us some sense of what we end up talking about. We find that we really do enjoy making, we really do enjoy discussion about the games that we play, coming back at the end of a long day to discuss what makes a game enjoyable really. And I hope that for listeners out there who, who do not have the time to play games or have the time to sync or have enough time to sink into trying out that latest new game, or uh, for that matter, are just wondering what all the hoo-ha is about, we are the podcasts for you guys. We will talk about our experiences, and we will talk about what makes uh, different types of games enjoyable. So I really hope you guys will enjoy this podcast. I'm sure Paul hopes you enjoy this podcast too. Yeah, That's right, Paul.
0: Always. Oh yeah, have you heard? PUBG has broken the record for the num- for the highest number of concurrent Steam players.
1: Oh really? Okay. Oh that is cool. That is cool. I, but it's going to happen eventually. Yeah,
0: eventually. But it, it, I'm actually not really surprised, cause in PUBG one game has like ninety nine to one hundred players per server, and every server kind of match makes almost instantaneously. Like you oh, just no, have no, no, to. It's a uh, the
1: limit is hundred technically, but yeah, go on.
0: Yeah, but. Imagine like fifty servers running concurrently. Yeah, that's five thousand people.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. Uh, in a game of CS, there's probably what in casual there's what ten v ten at any one point in time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Could be ten. 10v- it's much it, tighter
1: that way. It, it cou- it cou- those could kind of like, games are much tighter.
0: It could be ten v ten, or it could be what is that Eleven, or is it ten is maximum?
1: Nah, ten's the max. I mean, unless, is... you talk to, unless you talk about those community servers which uh well the sky's the limit for those. I think like they have 32 v32s as well. Uh, but, but even
0: are... even then also it it still doesn't like it still doesn't overcome uh 99 per server. I like come on. Hundred per server. Hundred per, per server.
1: But even then, come on. I, I wanna do a little bit of a follow up to uh what we mentioned last episode where we talked about the possibility of PUBG being an eSport. Well, firstly, like we mentioned last time, uh it's too chaotic. That's the first thing. Did it try the first PUBG competition
0: in Gamescon?
1: Yeah.
0: And uh the yeah. guy won due to hiding all the way.
1: Yeah, that's right. And if that's the optimal strategy, what well, that that doesn't really feel like a
0: Well, you have to understand e-sport. that uh, where well, that you have to understand that the different different strategies for most different cases and
1: well, the guy just played the odds. Why not? No, I mean... Okay, it's it's the first ever high-profile PUBG competition. I, I would say that it was... It's not what you'd expect in an eSport. In an eSport, you expect you expect interesting plays. You expect deep strategy. But it, I don't think we really got that in this one. It may be skillful. I mean, hiding is a skill, I guess. But if you... Look at the person playing. It doesn't feel like a skill, does it? I don't think it would have felt like a skill. I have to go and pull up some of that video to check for myself, but I wouldn't think it feels like a skill. I had a few games earlier, and I remember when I played it, I would try to get as far away from everybody else as possible, and then let everybody else kill each other off as much as possible. And it's very easy to reach rank 20 or even rank 10 without even... without trying very hard. I would would go about doing my thing... I would, I would barely see a person, maybe I would hear a vehicle or a few gunshots here and there, and it is very feasible to just survive, you know, just survive, you know, um, you don't, just don't, just don't go about uh, in open spaces, uh, make sure you, make sure you're careful where you walk, make sure you're careful where you tread, find things to hide behind, and Mostly all right. I even reached rank four. It it was scary the whole way, but
0: well, you also have to understand that the in a real life battle royale, would you wanna hide or would you? Would you want to? I, I would wanna you live. You would wanna live. So at the same time, you would want to avoid as much people as humanly possible. No.
1: Yeah, that's right. That that's the whole point. You know, that's the whole point. Same thing
0: for for PUBG. It really mimics real-life battle royale, which is something I, I, I don't see games really do. Like, w- would you play PUBG if weapons were in pre-allocated areas? Like, it might not be in the same place, but it's within the same area.
1: But isn't that what they do? It's randomly generated, right? It's,
0: the weapons are found in the same place. But they are, uh, the, the number of weapons The type of weapon The type of gear Every type of accessory Everything is randomly generated Across the entire yeah, yeah, map
1: yeah. yeah, yeah
0: So you can't necessarily say that Oh, if I go to the military base uh, I'll definitely find the best gear here. Okay, you have a higher chance Of finding the, uh, of better, uh, better gear As compared to going places Like the school Places going like uh, Yeah, yeah Definitely yeah. But PUBG kind of played it very nicely uh, that's what I feel okay. Even in an eSport you, The guy has to understand that You are playing to survive You only have one life There is no respawn Nothing So
1: Yeah that's right So 99 people So who do you watch? For
0: 99 people it, it, It's more a case of uh, Whoever if, if there's a gunfight If there is a gunfight yeah. You just go Just watch the gunfight Watch the gunfight and You don't really Have to watch anybody else Like if they want to do their own thing Let them do their own thing Everybody Somehow or another gets Like good things Okay. Unless you unless you see an airdrop and then you see whether somebody wants to go and pick it or you see, oh there is one person with an SKS with an 8x scope he's on the hills, he's like he's watching the airdrop and oh somebody actually goes down with a buggy and then after that he, he hides behind the buggy and then he he, he nearly gets shot, oh and then people start like raging and all the whatnot and start going, woo! and then... But that is PUBG, that could be a, a possible uh, outcome for esports for PUBG but you want, to address the, you want to address the issue of being too luck-based? That is real life for you. Ladies and gentlemen, that RNG-based game is what seems like real life. It's not perfect. No game is perfect. But it is as close as it gets. Like, for example, if, if suddenly, suddenly 99 people from re, uh, in real life suddenly got packed into a C-130 and just got thrown into a random island, do you think they'll know where, uh, uh, where anything is at all?
1: That's not the point, Paul.
0: So no, I'm I'm just trying to uh, just trying to explain why if you think it's too luck based, then uh, how would you you go about doing it?
1: Well, first thing is that obviously for a game having a hundred players in a server, having people build up personalities, their own personalities, could be an issue. When you see, a... yeah, 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 hear me out here. Hear me out here. You start up an eSport, you're bound to have teams sprout up. You're bound to have lots of personalities. Uh, you want to have pitch battles from one side facing off against another. These are the stories that we're used to hearing. But for PUBG, it's... How should I say it? Uh, the gameplay mode doesn't feel very conducive to this kind of environment. For example, so let's say there are 25 teams that get thrown into the mix. So you, what, what I expect is that many, many teams from other esports like Counter-Strike Global Offensive dota 2 overwatch these are the people that will these will be the first guys to start looking at pubg and oh maybe we should join it up maybe we should join pubg it looks interesting they'll make their way in and you would think that oh they've studied the game they know how it works they know how to take advantage of everything the problem is that it's harder for when you are pretty much a drop in the bucket When it comes to landing zones you can do your best to plan you can do your best to strategize and come up with contingency plans but the way pubg is set up right now is that a lot of things a lot of key factors are randomized your plane's flight path from which the spread of players is very much controlled that is randomized the weapon drops are randomized although that's not such a big deal since everyone gets more or less decent weapons by mid game or even late game. The play zone, the circle, that gets randomised and there's no way to tell where it's gonna go. So if you find yourself on the left side of the circle and the game suddenly decides to uh, move the circle to the right, well good luck to you. You know, you just got the short end of the stick. Sure there are ways and means around this but the thing is, I feel that if Bluehole really wants to push up the competitive scene quite a bit, they're gonna have to tweak the rules of the game as it is right now. They're going to have to tweak the game quite a bit to make the game more esports friendly, more competition friendly. I remember reading an article saying that they have a map in the works that is about a quarter of the map's, this map's current size. Uh, Having a much smaller map would imply having much fewer players. Well, since we have 100 players, we divide that by 4 and it gives you 25. So maybe 6 teams of 4 players. I think that would be much more conducive to competitive play, to their credit. And what I think is that, uh, what what I think about the current setup is that there's just too many random variables at play for there to be players to feel like they have control over their environment. Because one of the things I've... Okay, um, I'm going to go in on a bit of a tangent here. And I'm just going to talk about my experience playing PUBG for the past few, for the past couple of weeks, I suppose. When you walk out into the environment, let's say you have no choice but to cross this open field. Normally, I wouldn't want to try to do that, because when you reach nearer and nearer towards the end game, and everybody's huddled about in this circle about a few hundred meters across, or even about a hundred odd meters across, you do not want to be caught out in an open field. Everybody can see you, and everybody's going to shoot you. And the thing is, when you're out there and you're looking out at that field, you're hiding behind a tree here or there, and you're trying to figure out where everybody is and there's no one on the field. There's just nobody on the field at all. It makes you feel helpless to the situation. You you can't see anybody. You're trying to gather information but it just doesn't seem like there's anything. Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's waiting for someone to make the first mistake. And when the circle is closing on you, you just want to get within that circle so that you can stay alive and it forces you to walk out in an open field. That's when you feel... That luck perhaps wasn't on your side that time. And I just feel that the game has been set up like this to to encourage people to get on with it. But at the same time, I also feel that the waiting is part of the competitive play that goes on within Play Unknown Battlegrounds. I'll be interested to see what Bluehole does with the game. I know I've been ragging on PUBG as being a terrible eSport because the way it's set up right now, it doesn't really feel like it could be a good eSport. But I have faith that Blue hole can definitely do something about it. They've got everybody's attention, you know? I think with the right decisions, they could stand to change up the esports scene a lot. And that's my two cents, I guess. Yeah, that's your two cents. For me, if it becomes an esport, I'm actually
0: very, very glad it will be, because... Yeah, I'll be stoked, man. Because... Yes. No, because... One thing, is, one thing is because of the randomness, that's why I, I would pay my good money just to go and watch it play. Mm-hmm. It's not like games like cs where don't don't get me wrong cs is a is a fantastic game to watch as an esport like I, okay. when i watched krakow for the first time i was it was well it was absolutely mind-blowing like you watch five players against another five players pit their skills against one another though everybody knows the hiding spots it's more of a case where everybody is trying to use reaction time to their advantage yeah or people like to say they use luck of the inhuman movement <laughs> so like you see inhuman mo- inhuman reaction timings
1: yeah you see that snap reflex man that snap
0: yeah. reflex is what saves people a lot of times and and it's it's still fun to watch it's still fun to watch yeah. but the, if you if for pubg is for pubg as an esport i i it's why a I would different kind why I would pay good money is because it's it's a whole new different feel as compared to watching maps everybody knows. CS, there's uh, certain maps in CS where uh, it's more terror-sided or more counter-terror-sided. So it, people say that it, it's being too uh, one-sided, whereas PUBG is just... There's there's no such thing called being sided at all. The one map is one map,
1: and... Yeah. So, before we continue, listeners, I'd I just like to mention that what we're about to talk about next... Is uh is something that has been a sore point for the two of us. We're gonna talk about something that happened to Paul. I feel that it taught us something that everyone could stand to benefit from and everyone should be aware of. Everyone who owns a Steam account at least, they should be very much aware of. So Paul, would you like to would you like to begin the story? <sighs> would you like to begin? No.
0: <laughs> I'm still sour
1: about it. Yeah, I know you got to do something, Paul. you got to tell the listeners. Yeah,
0: that's that. That's why I'm still sour about it. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those who are actually listening, yes, in Steam, if you're actually playing the market uh, via selling uh, items that you buy or you sell off either things that are collectible, such as um, the CSGO skins, weapon skins that you earn and you just sell them sell them off, I actually earned this one skin on CSGO. For those in, in CSGO, you will understand its value, I actually got a drop, the skin is called the Dragon Law It's an AWP Dragon Law And uh, for those who actually uh, know the value of the Dragon Law uh, You all know why I'm still sour about it um, For those who don't, it's appraised at about $1100 I wanted to sell it off quick I wanted to sell it off quick via uh, because the person that I wanted to sell to actually uh, promised me Steam wallet funds. Yeah, so um because of that I got scammed. I had did not receive any funds. I did not receive anything in return. Uh, I traded away the I traded away the skin. Now for those I, I'm just gonna shout it out over here that the person name is called the Gulag 404. You'll
1: uh, probably change his name, but whatever. No, the, the,
0: the name so far stayed consistent throughout. So. The, pers- the person's ID, as, per- as seen before, is called Gulag 404. Uh, Scanned me of this $1,100 uh,
1: skin, and I have been absolutely sour ever since. If it's any consolation, Paul and I were playing a game, and he got this weapon skin as a drop. So it cost him nothing, but knowing that this extremely valuable skin was uh was he he got scammed out of it he didn't expect such a thing and he didn't expect something like this could happen and he had no experience in this in this field so this comes across as a very precious lesson and and i feel that we shouldn't just keep it to ourselves and that's why i asked paul if he would like to share his story and here it is so this was a classic scam by someone promising Steam Wallet funds. So, basically what happened was, uh, that, that was it, More of the story. It's a no-scope story for everyone. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Let's move on to brighter things. Okay, this is going to come a little bit off what we originally, well, scoped for. I want to talk about board games. And this is something that I think many people take for granted. The kind of things that you learn from playing board games. Because we've come from that sort of background where our parents would tell us, oh, games are a waste of time, you know? Games are the kind of thing that you play in your spare time when you have nothing else to do. I feel that games teach us a lot more than what we give them credit for. Games are the time when you meet other people and everyone puts themselves under a bunch of rules and bring out different parts of their personality. Like give you an example, Monopoly. Okay. When you play Monopoly, you, you can split the game into a sort of early and mid-game, mid-slash-late game. Mid slash late game. The, the early game is everybody just jumping around and grabbing, grabbing all the property they can find, right? Yeah. The fun part of the game really starts when you see people start trading with each other. You start seeing how people interact with each other. When I look at this kind of dynamic, it reminds me of things that will happen in real life. We should recognize that these kind of things are in place. They do teach people how to be judges of character. They do teach people, in their own little ways, how to deal with people in in real life. It teaches you
0: social interaction. Yeah. So, there is another aspect of board games as well, which is also um, Risk.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: The game Risk.
1: Oh, oh, that game, right. Okay.
0: Yeah, the one game that I still have not been able to beat you at at all.
1: <laughs> but the problem is that Risk takes forever to play. Yeah, uh, you can I have. want to play that. You can have
0: you, ladies and gentlemen. For those who actually haven't played Risk at all, it's a game of world domination.
1: Yeah, it's it's just a game of world domination. But the thing is, it takes forever. No, it it takes forever to finish a game. Like
0: any game of world domination, it's more a case of at the end of the day, when you call the uh, call the end of the game, it's who has the most uh, who has the most armies, most territories, and yeah. Basically no yeah. one no I have not seen anybody conquer the whole conquer the whole board before.
1: It it takes forever, it takes too long. We we just get bored of the whole thing and give up. Let me tell you what I feel happens in a game of risk. In a game of risk, you, you put your own armies on the board, you play games of dice to defeat other armies and occupy their territory and the more territory you have the faster you can replenish your armies which uh, you use to repeat the cycle risk can play as a game of three up to six players i think it is yeah two to six so it's two to six players but there's some special rules for two which try to make it a three player game while having two humans on the board anyway anyway uh so it's a two to six player game And at 6 players, it feels like everyone is struggling to carve out their own niche. I would say the game will take about maybe 3 to 4 moves and the first person will die. That's usually the case. But what I find interesting about it is that the moment the game hits 3 players, something very interesting starts to happen. You start to see the board, I won't say stagnate. I'll say rather the players start to become more conniving. In a two-player match, the battle is straightforward. It's just you against him and there's no alliance to broker, no nothing. The moment you have three players of comparable strength, when you have three players of comparable strength, that's when things start to get really interesting because with the moment the balance tips more towards one player, the two players will start to become very friendly with each other and start to beat down that one player back into place. That is when you really start to see the interesting things come out and that is usually why the game takes forever to resolve.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You you will see it like a coexistence between three players. Yeah, man. Because the moment one power starts to come up, they think of self-preservation as well. So, the enemy or my enemy is my friend.
1: And, yeah, that's right, that's right. And it makes perfect sense. There's one example, it's, um... You know about Three Kingdoms, yeah, right? Yeah, San in, in, in Chinese called San Guo, yeah, San Guo, Chinese culture, they still talk about San Guo to this day. It's deeply ingrained into well, the
0: history. Well, because it, it is China's history. <laughs> It, it is, is history. China's history. Yeah. Think of it this way. What the Three Kingdoms actually taught, being studied based on the uh, on the Three Kingdoms.
1: It was. Don't get me wrong. It was one of the bloodiest times in in Chinese history. But at the same time, there was a huge web of intrigue. People trying to broker alliances with one another. Generals defecting, and the list goes on. It made for a very very interesting insight to how people behave when put in different situations. The thing about having three kingdoms is that it's very conducive for those kind of stalemate situations. I'm not an expert in Sun but this much I do know is that it wasn't just a a battle of wits or strategy or tactical maneuvering. There was, when you have three factions coming together, the dynamic becomes a lot more intriguing than if it were just two factions. And this is one of those reality is stranger than fiction kind of situations. Uh another
0: game that actually uh, uses uh, I believe you would understand uh, you would you would know this game. It's called Warriors of Fate.
1: Oh that one. It's it's loosely based off Redcliffe I think. Something like that. Let us yeah? What, yeah, what as in it?
0: it's also it's also another game that's based off um Yeah, the three kingdoms. And it's, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, it's really fun to play but it's extremely difficult.
1: Um, uh, it's another one of those beat em up arcade games, and the story comes from Three Kingdoms. The reason why Paul and I remember it so fondly <laughs> is because we used to play it back on our PlayStation, and it made for good hours. You just keep playing over
0: and over and over again, and then you just
1: yeah, because free credits. Yeah, man, you're playing on a PlayStation.
0: Actually, there's a set number of credits, you know that? And you couldn't go anywhere for yeah. more than.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. You, I think it's like 9 credits. Yeah, but even then, like even 9 credits. credits, we still couldn't win it. Yeah, it was such a blast, man. It was such a blast. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember those good old days. We sh- <laughs> Maybe we'll do like a special, you know, we'll talk about old games that we remember. and All and the why, nostalgia. Why they, and you'd be surprised, uh, some of these games actually hold up very well. Yeah, actually, that might be a good idea. We'll, we might want to talk about old games, old and gold. Yeah, I think we'll save that for another time, yeah?
0: Well, I believe... I believe the there will definitely be more more to speak about in the following yeah. episode. So um for those who just who who have who are tuning in, uh, thank yeah. you very much for listening to us. Uh, it's been it's been great, it's been great talking yeah. like sharing sharing our points of views.
1: Yeah, if you guys manage to make it past all our gushing on uh, PUBG.
0: I, I figure it's not even gushing. I figure it's renting.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's probably just renting. Yeah, that's right. They could stand to make it a better esports. <laughs> Stop complaining. Uh, <laughs> we are going to go live. We're going to publish, you know. But we're going to publish Woohoo! this podcast. How do you feel about the world hearing your voice? Um, your, your sexy voice.
0: Honestly, I there's little I can imagine because it. I I don't hear the the voices from on the outside. I hear them all on the inside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Ah, uh, you don't <laughs> <and> shne- you... <laughs>
0: you don't need to know. That is for me to hear, not for you.
1: <laughs> but anyway, listeners, um you can hear we are we are still I I still feel very raw. I mean, this is this is literally our first podcast. And dear listeners, if you have um if you have anything any feedback you'd like to share we we have a subreddit up we hope that you will share your feedback we're looking forward to the feedback if we can become better podcasters if there's something you'd like to hear if there's something you'd like us to talk about we'll be more than happy to talk about it i'm sure with time to come there'll be plenty of follow-up and we're just looking forward to all of that you know so yeah till next time man
0: yeah till next time we hope to
1: we hope to be listening we hope to be hearing from you guys So, till next time. Till next time. Adios.